Brothers and sisters, this morning I have the privilege of bringing God's word to you as we find that in Ephesians 6, the verses 1 through 4. And in connection with that, I thought it's appropriate that we first read together from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. So I invite you to, to open your Bible, Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Here in my Bible, it's page 178. So in Ephesians 6, the Lord gives us the calling as um, children to obey our parents and as, as fathers to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. And here in Deuteronomy 6, the Lord teaches us how we are to think about this. Hear the word of God. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes." You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord." who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised." When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give 
Give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So far, a reading from Deuteronomy 6. Then the text for this morning is taken from Ephesians. We're going to read together Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 1. God's word says, children, obey your parents to the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from hymn 56, the verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Well, dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are married, then one of God's great gifts to you is the gift of children. Psalm 127, verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. Or maybe you think of Psalm 128. It tells us about some of the blessing who comes on the man who fears the Lord. Then your wife is like a fruitful vine and your children are like olive shoots around your table. God's teaching us that children are a blessing. It's one of the the great ways in which he wishes to delight us as a faithful father. And you know, we often experience that. There's nothing, brother and sister Courthouse, there's nothing quite like cuddling your daughter. You get a whiff of the, the new baby smell. You get to hear the the cry of your baby in the first couple of weeks after they're born. It's such a, such a beautiful, such a unique time. And as their children grow up, then you have all these special times together with them, and these moments where you get to see their first smile, you get to enjoy their first step, you watch them taste their, their first taste of, of a gherkin or something. And there's just these, these special moments that you get to have together with your children. And then... As their characters start to develop and as they start to figure out their world, there can be a lot of joy in, in watching them develop and grow and, and see who they become. You get all these little funny moments as they don't quite have it quite figured out yet and they're trying to, to understand the world around them. Then you get to read books. You get to snuggle with them. You get to play games and go hiking. You get to build stuff. You get to help people. You get to make music. You get to walk alongside of life with them. You get to guide them and help them through their pain and challenge them and learn from them. You know, raising children, it teaches you that life's about service. You learn the truth that it's better to give than to receive. It's not to say that it's easy. 
Raising children is probably, if not the, then one of the most challenging things that you can ever do. We're never challenged as much as by our children. Not only do they write with permanent marker on your brand new couch, or they scratch up your brand new car, but they also disobey you, and they fight with each other, and they complain, and they argue, and they refuse to do their chores, and they break the rules, and they lie to you, and they give you a big mouth. Our children are sinners, and that's extremely challenging. But what makes it even more challenging is that we're also sinners. And so what the Lord often does, it's in the context of family life that he brings us face to face with some of the, the core ways in which we have sinful patterns in our lives. And he challenges us and he shows us what's really going on in our hearts. We get to see our own pride and our own selfishness and our own anger. And it's really in this context that the Lord, he teaches us who he is and he shows us how much we need him in order to live in an intimate relationship with him and with each other. It's when you see your own sins up close that you're brought to the foot of the cross. Well, it's very humbling, brothers and sisters, but it's also a grace of the Lord. As you are faced with your own weaknesses, then the Lord uses that in order to humble you and to bring you close to him. I preach God's word this morning under this theme, God gives a wonderful task to both parents and children. Children, obey your parents, and parents, train up your children. So our text starts off with the words, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Boys and girls, and young people here this morning, the Lord is teaching us here in the book of Ephesians about what it looks like to live a life that's redeemed by Jesus Christ. In the first three chapters, he tells us about who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. And in the last three chapters, he's now telling us about what impact that has in our lives, how we live as his people. And for you, boys and girls, he tells you that one of the foundational ways that you are redeemed by Christ is when you obey your parents. And actually, it's not just obeying your parents. In the next verse, God refers back to the fifth commandment. He says, honor your father and mother. And so, young people, you have to honor your parents. You have to hold them in high regard. You know, it's possible you, you hear that, and you think to yourself, and you wonder, well, what does that actually mean? You know, how, how am I supposed to do that? It's really quite striking. If you, if you look at another passage in Scripture, the Lord, he gives a bit of nuance around that. It's in Leviticus 19, verse 3. Every one of you shall revere his father and mother. Revere. That means you hold them in awe. You have the greatest respect for them. And that's how God defines honoring your father and mother, obeying your father and mother. You revere them. You hold them in the highest regard. When you hear about that, you might think to yourself, you might wonder, isn't that a bit much? Do I really have to revere my parents? Is that actually what God is saying here? Well, do you know why God calls you to do it? 
It's because your parents have been given authority over you. And that authority comes from God. God has invested your parents with his authority, and he sent your parents into your life as his personal representatives. And since they're his personal representatives, they're acting on his behalf, then he calls you to listen to them and to obey them, to honor them, and to revere them. That's why our text says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. If you're obeying your parents, it's not just your parents who you're obeying, it's actually the Lord who you are obeying. And that's the core issue here in our, in our passage. Now, boys and girls and, and young people, you know that's not always easy. You have to obey your parents. You have to, to do what they want you to do. You might not necessarily feel like doing what they want you to do. That can be kind of hard to do sometimes. Well, do you know why the Lord calls you to it? The reason he, he wants that for you is because he loves you. It's because he wants to, to lead and guide you in his ways. Your parents have been given authority over you so that they can teach you who he is, and they can teach you to walk with him. And one day, the Lord is going to call your parents to account for how they trained you up, how they led you, how they guided you. He's going to hold them accountable to make sure that it went well for you. It's one of the foundational things. The Lord always teaches us about authority. Whenever he gives authority, authority is always with the intent of serving those under your authority. And so he gives your parents authority to serve you, to make sure that it goes good for you, so that you can live to grow up, to know, and to love the Lord. Now, sometimes when we're young people, we feel that our parents are a bit out of touch. They don't understand you. They don't really know what's best for you. They don't, they don't really get you. Well, if you're ever in that kind of situation, you have to understand that, that it is really the Lord who's calling you to, to respect them. Real life, boys and girls, if, if your mom and dad ask you to do something, then you jump up and you do it quickly and happily. That's the rules. Quickly and happily. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. That's your way of honoring God. If your parents tell you that you're not allowed to message your friends any longer, young people, if they tell you you can't listen to certain music, you can't watch a certain kind of movie, that you're not allowed to get together with your friends at a certain time, then you, ref- you respect that. It may happen that they say to you, you know, all your friends have phones, and they say to you, no, you're not, you're not allowed to have a phone yet. In our house, that's not how we're doing things. All your friends have a TikTok account. And your parents say to you, no, we're not going to let you have a TikTok account. That's not what's happening in our home. Well, then you have to obey them. You have to accept what they say. You have to do it. And the reason for that is because by nature, we tend to put ourselves in the center of our lives. I'm not sure, brothers and sisters, if you remember, but it was a few months ago that I got to preach to you from Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 1, the Lord teaches us that we need to be so cautious in the approach that we take to life that we don't put ourselves in the center of life. By nature, we're profoundly selfish. And we live in a culture that that stimulates and that encourages that. Your life is what you make of it. And so fill your life with the good things that you want to do 
and edit out of your life anything you don't want to do. And so our society tells us to put you in the center of your life. What Ephesians 1, the Lord tells us that it's very different from that. That the Lord is the one who chose you. That the Lord is the one who adopted you into his family. He's the one who redeems you from your sins. He's the one who, who brought you into intimate fellowship together with him. He promised you an eternal life, and he gave you the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a guarantee that you get to share in that life. And since he is your father, since he has done all this for you, then he says, I want you to honor me. I want you to put me in the first, in the center of my life, of your life. And boys and girls, when you're young, you don't always understand that. When you're young, you want what you want. And it is your parents' responsibility to teach you who the Lord is and what the Lord wants and to help you that you don't fall into spiritual danger and the spiritual damage because of your, your own sinful desires. And then, boys and girls, it also means that you have to respect your teachers. As parents, we have the responsibility to train up our children, to teach them who God is and to walk in his ways. And sometimes what we do as parents is we, we cooperate together, and we ask teachers to assist us in doing so. And so we invest our authority into the teachers, and we ask the teachers to train you to know God, to love God, to use your gifts to serve God. Well, that means that you young people need to respect your teachers. At core, you listen to them. You obey them. You show them respect. You love them. That's a really important thing to, for us to reflect on. Sometimes it happens that among children, among a group, you have a group in a, in a class, and they kind of get together and they kind of egg each other on because they think it's fun to disobey the teachers. They think it's fun if they have a teacher who sometimes has a bit of difficult with, difficulty with class control, they think it's fun to push that teacher as hard as they can and as far as they can make life miserable. Well, boys and girls, if that's you, then that's godless. And then you need to repent. You need to change. Because that's not honoring the Lord. That's not honoring your parents. That's not honoring your teachers. That's not on for us as God's people. We are those who love God. We are those who serve Him and who honor Him with our lives. It's really good to understand that it's not only helpful for your parents, it's not only pleasing to God when you obey, but it's actually for your own good. That's the promise here. It says there, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. In Proverbs 4, God tells us that when you listen to your parents, that you gain wisdom. They'll be protected. Then the years of your life will be many. Then the preacher says that you will accomplish what you set out to do, and you'll receive life and health and strength. And so, boys and girls, the Lord loves you, and he wants to go good for you. And so he says, you need to honor, you need to obey and respect your parents. And actually, the Lord actually says the opposite is also true. In Proverbs 30, verse 17, the eye that mocks a father 
and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. That's a fancy way of saying that God's curse, his displeasure, his anger is going to come on those who disobey, those who mock their parents, those who don't honor their parents. Well, do you understand what the Lord calls you to do then, young people? If you hear that, then it's really quite humbling. Are you able to do that? Can you live a life where you do honor your parents? Where you are willing to obey them? Where you do respect your teachers? Where you quickly and you happily do what they ask of you? You know, it shows how much we need a Savior. We need our Lord Jesus to do for us what we fail to do ourselves. And that's really the message of the gospel. Jesus Christ has done it for us. He came into this world and he obeyed his father. His father told him, I want you to do the most difficult thing ever. I want you to go into the world and I want you to humble yourself. I want you to bear the curse that my people deserve. And I want you to do it as an act of love and service to me. That you willingly serve me in this way. And Christ said, yes, Father, I will do that. I will honor you, and I will obey you, and I will do what you ask me to do. And boys and girls, he did it for you. There's going to be times when you fail, and you go to him, and you say, Lord Jesus, I'm really sorry. Father in heaven, I'm sorry that I failed you, that I didn't do what my mom asked me to do, and I didn't do what my dad asked me to do. And I ask you to be merciful, and I ask you to forgive me. And I ask me to make me different. Make me into a different person. And that's the promise that God gives. For Jesus' sake, he will forgive you. With his Holy Spirit, he will recreate you into his image. That's actually the whole message of the book of Ephesians. We are in Christ. You are a new creation. God has renewed you. He's recreated you into the image of Jesus Christ. He gives you his spirit so that you can walk in God's ways, that you can receive his blessing and that it may go well with you. And so if you really struggle, young people, if this is a really hard thing for you, the greatest thing is that you go to the Lord, that you ask him for his help, and that you believe that he can help you, and that you then experience that help in your life. Your father will give you a beautiful relationship with your mom and dad as an act of grace. That's not to say that that the children are the only ones who need Christ's help. Our text continues in the next line. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's quite striking here, brothers and sisters, that the fathers are mentioned. In our context today, it is the mothers who probably do the lion's share of the raising of the children. Why are fathers mentioned? Well, in the first place, In the Greek language, the masculine, it surrounds and it includes the feminine. And so when God says here, fathers, then he's also surrounding and including the mothers. The mothers are included in this instruction. But another part of the reason why fathers are instructed here is because fathers are primarily responsible for what happens in the home. You men, if you have children, then you are the primary ones who are responsible for what happens in your families. At the great day, when you stand before the Lord, then he's going to ask you the question, and not your wife, but you, he's going to ask you the question, how did it go in your family? 
What was the spirit in your family? What was the setting and the context for your children? That's a question that's going to ask, be asked primarily of the fathers. It's interesting in that regard, a couple hundred years ago, it was quite different. It's really quite challenging for us today. The fathers are not primarily present. If you read the book by Nancy Piercy, she wrote this book, Finding Truth. She reflects on the fact that prior to the Industrial Revolution, 17th, 18th century, prior to that time, or 17th, 1800s, there was the... Um, there was often that the family lived together and that they worked together. So if dad was a blacksmith, then he would work in his house, and the front of the house facing the road would be the place where the workshop was, was facing the street and customers could come to the front of the house. And so dad was in the family. Dad was among the children. The children often helped. Mom, maybe she saw the front, front office and helped any customers who came. And so the business was a whole family project. And so dad was deeply involved in family life. It was during that time, if there were any books that were written about parenting, they were addressed to the fathers. It's quite a challenge for us today. Fathers are primarily out of the house. Eight, nine, ten, more hours a day. The fathers are gone. And the mothers are the first ones who take responsibility in rearing the children. What does it look like to, to set a healthy tone? God says here, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Your task is to bring up your children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. What does that look like? We just read a couple of minutes ago from Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, the Lord, he calls us to love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind the very next thing is that he, he teaches us about how that's supposed to get worked out within our lives, within our families. Moses continues in verse 6. He says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. God is saying a central part of the role of parents is to impress his word on the hearts and lives of their children. You need to talk to your children and talk and talk and talk. When you sit down for a meal and when you drive them to school and when you pick them up and when you do dishes together and when you drop them off at club later on in the week, you need to have conversations with your children where you impress upon them who the Lord is and what the Lord has done for his people. That's the foundation of biblical parenting. We are those people who teach our children who the Lord is. And we tell them what our Father has done for us. And then on top of that, the Lord says, the next thing we need to be busy with is we also need to bring them up, not just in the training, but also the discipline of the Lord. God calls us to discipline our children. The reason for that, Proverbs 22, verse 6, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Sorry, Proverbs 22, 15. Or a little later in Proverbs 23, verse 13, it's quite similar. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, 
you will save his soul from Sheol. Now, the sad truth is that sometimes we, we talk to our children, we train them, we teach them, we tell them, but they don't listen, and they don't take it to heart, and their lives are not changed. And the Lord says in that context, there's times where you need to discipline them. With wisdom, with discretion, you need to, to discipline them so that they turn away from sin and that they walk in God's ways. It's one of the more challenging things for us to do well, brothers and sisters. You know, when we, when we discipline our children, then we, need, we need wisdom. And at core, what we need to, to impart to them is the fact that we love them, that we wish our children to understand that, that they are loved by God, and that it's safe when they walk in God's ways, and that it's dangerous when they walk away from the Lord, when they don't walk in His ways. And so we need so much wisdom to teach them what that looks like and then to correct them at the right time in the right way to help them to walk in those ways. And the Lord says this is, this is part of His character and dealings, His dealings with us, it's a foundational thing he does with us. He has perfect wisdom in knowing how to do that. But he says this is, this is a core part of what a faithful parent does in living with their children. Hebrews 12, verse 11, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. If you discipline your children that it leads to righteousness and to peace. And these are the, the special gifts of God that he gives in godly families. Well, brothers and sisters, you hear about these things. It's nothing new. You know about this. This is what we, what we do, what we seek to do. At the same time, I thought maybe it's helpful for us to reflect on it. Maybe to ask you the question, do you think that we that we have the right emphasis in how we apply this and how we bring this across in our families. It's really quite a challenge. Because if you read the passage over, it sounds like what God's saying here is that you need to teach your children the commandments and then you need to force your children to do what God commands. And that includes disciplining them if they don't listen. And you know, that's true. On one level, that's true. But the core question is, how do you work it out? What does that really look like? What does that really mean? Sometimes it happens that we spend so much time, we spend so much energy on teaching our children the rules. You should do this, and you should do that, and you should do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do this, and you may not live in that way. And then if they're willing to do that, then all's well and good. And if they're not willing to do that, then we come down on them. We correct them. And we show them a different way. You know, it sounds good. But there's something really foundational that's missing in that picture. And that's the reason why. And God addresses this issue in the passage here in Deuteronomy 6. If you read carefully through Deuteronomy 6 then the Lord gives us the reason why we have to carefully obey his commandments, statutes, and rules. He says there, you must do these things 
that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons. So he says part of it is that you have to teach your children to fear God, to hold him in high regard, to honor him, to respect him, to revere him. And then a little later in verse 5, the Lord continues, verse 6, he tells us to have his commands in our hearts and to teach them to our children. And then in verse 5, he, he gives the reason. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so before telling us what the commands are and before telling us that we have to instruct our children in these commands, he first says what you need to do is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. You need to teach your children to love the Lord. You need to lay it on their hearts that they revere the Lord and that they hold him in high regard. And that's the very same thing that happens in our text in Ephesians 6. Before God tells us to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord, first what Paul does is he tells us about everything that God has done for us. You have been chosen in Christ. You've been adopted into God's family. You're part of his family. We heard that this morning. Cody is part of the family of God. She's included. She's one of God's children, and he loves her. And he has a very special place in his heart for her. Well, that's something that your children need to understand. They are loved by God. They need to understand that Christ will forgive all their sins. Our children need to know that. He won't hold their sins against them. He's not angry with them. But as they come to him and as they confess their sins, that he's very gracious, he's very merciful, and he will forgive them and he will restore them. They need to know that the Holy Spirit has been promised to them, that the Spirit's going to live in their hearts and he's going to change them. And they need to have a vision for the future, that there is an eternity in store for them, and that they get to live in the presence of this God who they know, who they love, who they revere. That's the calling of just earlier in chapter 5. So in the first verses of chapter 5, the foundational calling we have is spelled out, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The core thing we need to teach our children, brothers and sisters, is to walk in love, to love the Lord as the Lord has loved us. Do your children know that? Do they love the Lord? With all the training, with all the instruction, with all the discipline that you've given them, does it come within the framework, within the context that their Father in Heaven loves them dearly? That He cares very much about them? that he wants to make sure that it goes well for them. You know, if we discipline our children, if we take the, the approach to discipline that these are the rules, and if you obey, it's good, and if you fall out of line, then I'm going to come down on you. And if your children learn to have a relationship with you where you are the, the strict disciplinarian, you do, not, do you not also expect that they'll have that perspective of God? That he too 
is a strict disciplinarian. And if that's the picture that your children have of God, then have you been fair, been righteous in treating them about who God really is? When the Lord comes to his people, Deuteronomy, sorry, Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, Moses asked to see the Lord, and the Lord reveals himself to him. And he reveals himself as the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. That's the first thing he says. He is the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. He won't let sinners get away with their sin. That's the next thing he says. He says, we will also punish the sinners for the sins that they have committed. He will by no means clear the guilty. The context for all our discipline, the context for all God's discipline, is that he is a God who loves us. He's a merciful and a gracious God, and his heart towards us is one of kind affection. And so it is our core responsibility to teach our children that the Lord is a good God and who loves his children. And how do you do that? Not only by telling your children to obey the rules, not only by punishing them when they fall short of the rules. And what they need to know is they need to know about what he's done for them. That's the the message that Moses impresses upon the people at the end of this chapter. At the end of the chapter, Deuteronomy 6, verse 20, the Lord teaches us his way. He says, there's going to be a time when your children come to you and they ask you the question, why? Why, Dad? Why do we have to obey all these commandments, all these rules and laws and testimonies? And what's the answer? Moses says to the people, he says, it's not because I told you so. It's not because otherwise I'm going to punish you. No, he says, the answer is that you tell your children the old, old story about the redemption that God has given to his people in rescuing them out of Egypt. Why do you have to obey my laws, statutes, commandments? Because I'm your father and because I love you. And because I brought you out of Egypt, I rescued you with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. I took you away from all the suffering that you endured. I brought you into the promised land, and I love you, and I'm caring for you. And because I love you, because I care for you, because you are my children, now you walk in my ways, and now you do what I say. And then, brothers and sisters, you know the most important thing? It's not just that you tell them, but it is that you model it for them. You show them. You are God's representatives as their father and mother. God's put you in that place to show your children his love. That's what our text says. Ephesians 6 verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You don't provoke them to anger. You need to love them as God loves them. 
your teaching, your discipline, your correction, your training, it comes from a heart of love. As God has loved you, so you love them. As God has shown grace to you, so you encourage them and you build them up and you show grace to them. And at core, you don't exasperate. You don't provoke them to anger. Exasperate literally take the wings out of someone's sail. X is from or out of, and spiro is, is breath or wind. You don't take the wind out of your kid's sails. How does that happen sometimes? How do some parents provoke their children to anger? Well, if you're not fair. If your brother breaks the rules and he gets away with it, and you break the rules and you get punished, then children will get angry. If the punishments meted out don't meet the, the severity of what, you've, what they've done, then children are provoked. Or if it happens that children are punished in an inconsistent way, that one time they're punished and the next time they're not, and they're, they're shown love and they're shown punishment and it doesn't match to their actions, then it's deeply exasperating for children. Well, it's not who God is. It's not how God treats us. He's a God who loves us consistently. He's a God who, who takes our sins upon himself. He's willing to bear the punishment and the burden for what we've done. He never disciplines us in a, in a petty way, that he gets angry in a petty way against us, and that, that his anger towards us comes out of, out of his frustration with us. But the Lord disciplines us in love because he loves us, because he's a faithful God who knows what we need, and he wishes us to become like Christ. And so for you parents, for us parents, we need to ask the Lord that he would help us, that he gives us a rich measure of his spirit, that the spirit of Jesus Christ would live in us so that we're able to raise up our children to know and love him. Do you understand the calling, brothers and sisters? The danger is the rules, that it's only about the rules. Otherwise, our children grow up to be these strict little Pharisees who have a wrong view of God. But it doesn't mean that the commandments are unimportant, that they're not critical, because they are. But the core issue is that we have to give them, we have to teach our children to have a heart that's filled with love. You can have obedience for God without love, but you can't have love for God without obedience. And so the core is love. That your children are loved by God, also through you, and that they love the Lord. And as they do so, that they will obey him. They will love to do all his commandments because that's what he wants. That's what their father wants. And they want to please him. And they want to help him. Well, it's pretty humbling You know, as God's people, we try. We know what the Lord wants. We hear it. We think about it. We know it. In many ways, we do have a good approach. We often try to expose the hearts of our children. We try to help them to walk with God and to flee from sin. We do love our children. We do teach them. We do model for them who the Lord is and, and what obedience looks like, what love for God looks like. At the same time, isn't it also true for you, brothers and sisters, that there's so many ways in which we fail as parents? 
that we haven't modeled it, that we haven't taught it, we haven't focused on the most important things, we haven't always emphasized the love for God, the honoring Him, the revering Him, the responding to Him. Let's ask Christ for His forgiveness. Let's pray that He would live in us. He promises to do that. He is your Father. He wishes to be faithful through the generations. As often as we grow up, the older we get, the more we see it. So as we get a little older, then we look back on our children's lives, and we're a bit more mature in the meantime, and we see some of their failings. And oftentimes, it's our own failings. We see the same things that we have done being reflected in the lives of our children. And it's the grace of God. He humbles us, and he draws us near to him. We come to him with empty hands, and we say, Lord, we can't do it. We try, and we failed in so many ways, and we entrust our children to you. We ask you to do it. You are their father, and you do love them, and you wish to bring them to glory. And that is our father's greatest desire. He promises to work through the generations as a part of his covenant love, as part of his steadfast love, his faithfulness. He says that through the generations, he will lead us to know him, to love him, to walk with him. So, brother and sister courthouse, the Lord has given you a little girl to know and to love, to walk in his ways. Just love her. And then let her respond to your love and then teach her what God commands so that, they, that she may know the Lord and that she walks in his ways. Amen.